Welcome back to Note to Note. This is Matt back. And today we've got a lucky guest. We're lucky to have them. Please welcome Emily. Hi. Thanks for welcoming me. <laughs> so <clears throat> today's book of choice is called Kudos. And you know the format. Put two minutes on the clock, and we'll talk about Rachel Cusk and the last of the Outline Trilogy. While you're doing that, Matt, let me just ask you, how did you first hear of Rachel Cusk? I don't remember. I remember friends, writer friends, recommending the whole thing. I feel like someone was taking a metafiction class and was really into it. Cool. Okay, here's two minutes on the clock. Kudos begins like outline with the narrator on a plane seated next to a man who then proceeds to tell the narrator his story. Something about the outline trio that, that really struck me when I first read it was the lack of narrator. There's something about how she was present, but almost there to receive information, specifically stories. <clears throat> I think that changed a little bit in the second book. She in, inputs more into conversations, but there's a part later in Kudos where an interviewer is asking the narrator about her style of writing, and he decides to, to just ask her to tell him a story because he believes that one of her points is that if you get someone to tell you a story, you can learn a lot about them just by the way that they tell it. And, and that connects, I think, to this, the first writing workshop that she does in the first book, Outline, when she asks her student to describe their route to the classroom. What do you see on your way there? <clears throat> and so kudos is all about what people see, but the themes that seemed to reverberate were divorce and children, and there's a lot more country history. I don't know. <clears throat> like uh, Brexit was mentioned, um, the country where the literary conference, which is most of the setting of the book, 
There's a little mention of failing economies and how it affects the surrounding villages. So it felt a little more present or less timeless, more fixed. But yeah, I'd I'd say overall I liked it. Um, she, She still drops plenty of gems for the reader to continue reading okay well that was i couldn't talk about this book for a while i think but let's get into our first segment which is say when and uh i think i'll have our guest read the first passage if they're up for it sure so how this works is i'm gonna thumb my thumb through the spine or the opposite of the spine when Okay, and when you say when, you get to... No. Okay. Page 142, for those following along. Kudos, by Rachel Cusk. The man beside me unfurled his thick white napkin with a flourish and tucked it into the collar of his shirt. He was somewhere in his 60s with a bald, nut-brown head and an expression of cynical humor in his small, round eyes. He had read my book, he said, and would be interviewing me for his newspaper. But in considering what to say to me, a novel idea had occurred to him, which was to treat me as one of my own characters, with himself granted the power of narrator. This was not the kind of approach he generally adopted in literary interviews, of which he had done a perhaps excessive number, considering all the other matters he was expected to cover for the paper. Tomorrow, for instance, he had to attend the cup final, an irksome assignment since he found the crowds and their mad excitement over something that had, that had after all happened without fail every year, particularly tiresome. And as he had said, he had often found himself writing about religious miracles one day and state corruption the next. Interviews with literary authors he usually enjoyed, but all the same he saw it as his task to bring himself to their world, researching their lives and reading their previous work and generally boning up on the issues they concerned themselves with. But this time, perhaps because he had been so busy and because there were so many authors at the conference requiring his attention, he had approached my book without much in the way of context. In fact, he had only finished it late last night, returning to his room after dinner. And it was as he was going to sleep that the idea of acting as its author had come to him. It interested him that he had been led to believe he could assume that power. Usually novels had the opposite effect on him in that he couldn't ever imagine writing as the author had written, or indeed, in some cases, wanting to. Even thinking about it exhausted him. And he sometimes found himself wishing these prodigies had a little less energy, because every time they wrote something new, they also created his obligation to respond to it. Isn't that weird? That's that's, a good good passage. Well, that's the passage I was talking about. That's weird that we... Came to it. Yep. People might suspect that we hadn't randomly. There was said no away. plotting. That was just a random there flip was of the no wrist. No plotting, which uh, says something about this book. There doesn't seem to be a lot of plot. There's no conflict. It's the narrator, almost seemingly interrupted multiple times throughout her day by people who just start telling their stories. Right. But that's an interesting moment in the book. I think a rare one. 
Well, yeah, there's. she's supposed to be interviewed by three people, and only one of them <clears> actually <throat> gets to interview her. And even, well, I think when they do interview her, it's quite minimal. Yeah. It's, which is a the theme of the book, which is that the narrator is a backdrop for other people's impressions. And in this case, even for their impressions of her and her art. Mm. Yeah. And and it's so, I like that you said backdrop because it almost seemed like if you're being interviewed, that's the most specific, you're getting the most spotlight on you. But I almost feel like the second book had more of a spotlight on her based on the fact that it was her home that was being remodeled and she had to deal with her Mm. neighbors and her, and her contractor and and those things aren't exactly you're talking about the book transit yeah Mm. in transit um those Mm. aren't her they're extensions of her maybe you could say in metaphor but like an interview is supposed to be about her or at least yeah yeah that's true there's the narrator of the books doesn't occupy very much space uh, in general, except in that, you're right, in that instance where she is talking about the remodeling, which is really the destruction, Mm. you know, the dismantling of her home. Mm -hmm. And even that, just to pick up on one of the themes again, is done by men. Yeah. Uh, There's there's a lot of men... There's a, f- a few men who get named in this book, uh, but men serve a role in a lot of the the stories retold. Yeah. But what did you think of the passage I read? Uh, well, for some reason, I thought it was so funny that later in the book, they name drop... Um, Jose Mourinho, who is a famous football coach. Um, and I was wondering, actually, I, it made me think of you. I was like, is that a name drop that m- had any meaning for you? Because the interviewer also has to deal with talking about this important soccer match. Mm-hmm. And then later... Jose Mourinho's and I think they're at dinner and half the men are talking about the soccer game the next day and the manager's name gets dropped which is rare I feel like names are really sparse in these mm-hmm. books mm-hmm. what did you make of that um I don't know I, I don't know if I loved it it was mm. I mean it was like an I chuckled because I knew who it was, but it seemed like a funny, like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why would you do that? Yeah. What did you think? Did you look up? So the next interviewer in that series is a woman who's right. doing the video interview, and the men can't get the equipment to work. Right. So don't they have to abandon it? They abandoned it, but before they abandoned it, the woman kind of gives her life story of feminine power and art. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says something interesting about how the art world is more 
on the f- surface mm-hmm. and probably through the tree um, bound by patriarchy like the men are the artists and the women get neglected <laughs> until old age and she brings up two female artists mm-hmm. did you look up either of them I didn't uh, it's interesting because the first one she mentioned the one who makes the spider sculptures oh yeah um, she was heavily mentioned in Kate Zambrino's index mm. book mm. Um, and I remember I looked her up after reading that book mm. but the second one um, a British artist Jean oh something Bourgeois. That was no, the that was the um, first one. Yeah, I do know her. And she drew. What's her name? She's so famous. Street urchins, basically yeah. in Glasgow. What's her name? Uh, I feel like we're digressing. Well, it doesn't matter. Anyway, I I thought it was cool that those two names got mentioned because not many names get mentioned, and. It led to, like, this is not a book that seems to be, like, so heavily invested in, like, connecting a bunch of things. Like, Nietzsche gets dropped, Thomas Bernhard's name gets dropped, but it's not like, this is the, I mean, I mean, sometimes intellectual people are trying to sound intellectual, but it doesn't seem like the narrator is ever trying to do that. Yeah. Does that go against something that you expect? Like, was that unexpected to you? Or does that make you think about, you know, the role of the writer insofar as being learned or having names? Mm. Like, was that a departure for you? or um, Because there is something very, I would say, like understated or egoless or, you know, about these three books. Yeah. Um, but then I, as we're talking and always, I just think, well, obviously that's a strategic choice and there's a lot being said. And I'm curious, like what is being said mm. by these choices that we're naming, you know, around rarely mentioning real or living People around the narrator often getting muted, especially by men. Like, what, if you were to name, like, what's the theme or the message of these books? I don't know if that's a good question. I mean, that's too big of a question, but. I don't know. I think there's. It's obvious this this person is intelligent, and she does not think in binary terms. Like I, I felt often, if the narrator would present themselves in relation to a question, like, do you remember when she's being led by the young man, who I assume is autistic, uh, who's like the genius, and his mom works for the conference, and he's like. I've memorized Berlin. Was that in this book? It was in this oh. book. And he's commenting on the story of Adam and Eve. 
Mm-hmm. And she's like, like out of nowhere, he asked her a question. She's like, well, I don't think either of those are right. I think this. And I think she does that often. Like she'll pop in in these ways that are like, you're so smart. I kind of think that she's talking the whole time, but doesn't say anything in the book. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think she's as quiet as the book presents her. Oh, you think she's just reporting on the other person's half of the conversation? Yeah. Well, that's an interesting question. Yeah. Huh. I mean, that wasn't my sense. But I but I think you're right that the other that more is being said, whether it's out loud or inside her. Mm-hmm. And to me it feels often like it's about gender. Mm. Um or just like who gets to talk, who gets to take up space, and how are they navigating it? Mm-hmm. Like when the obviously a lot of women people socialized as women talk in the book but I think there's probably a lot to notice about how and how they take up that space mm-hmm. I I definitely felt that in the first book like I felt angry with the man on the plane because he wasn't asking her any questions mm-hmm. but by this book it almost seems like a a way to gather stories. Mm. Like I don't I don't know if it's a political act. On the narrator's half. I mean, be I. I might be showing my underwear here, but it'd be interesting to see how. I'm like for sure the men's talk way over her but a lot of the women do too like the Sophia character um, the interviewer the one that she meets with the sister like yeah women also have space to talk yeah 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 certainly I just yeah yeah I don't know that she's making any like strong claims. I just think it's being studied, Mm. you know? Do you feel like she doesn't get asked questions? Yeah, I mean, often each person she speaks with will ask her a question, and then that will be the jumping-off point for them to speak at length about themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that the beginning dude, for sure. Yeah. Maybe you should read us some quotes, some notes. Uh, there's this one about publishers that I really love, because it makes them... Seem like ding dongs. Um, well, but then there's that boy. Here's here's a query like, because I think this comes up a couple times. He apologized. He said, "If I found him too talkative, 
He liked talking and had always been encouraged by his mother to ask questions. So it had surprised him to discover that other people rarely asked each other anything. He had come to the conclusion that most questions were nothing more than an attempt to ascertain conformity, like rudimentary math problems. Hmm. Like someone's asking a question in order to just make sure you're on the same page. Yeah. 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 I used to ask questions almost like I felt I was owed the answers. Mm. And I didn't know I was going about it that way until someone, many people pointed it out to me that it, that questions were a way for me to have control without acknowledging that I wanted control. Mm. Like a socially acceptable way almost to take up space mm. by maintaining but control of the question. There's a, a point later where I think she's describing one of the novelists and uh, I think it's the Welsh one and she mentions how he asks a lot of questions in a way that is a, almost a social tick of those who are shy. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Like, yeah. yes, I'm taking up space, but I'm doing it by putting the, yeah. the lighting on you. I'm yeah. directing. I mean, you relate to that, right? Oh, yeah. I do too. For sure. I think that's exactly it. It's a way to not have the spotlight on you, but to get to participate. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another quote. This is, the, this is the publisher quote. We publishers, she said, proceed on the assumption that no one cares about books, whereas the makers of cornflakes convince everyone that the world needs cornflakes like it needs the sun to rise in the morning. That, uh, that was just like a... What do you like about that? Uh, I just... I, I know those publishing types who who think they're these great martyrs because no one enjoys literature anymore and it's so hard. And they're working tirelessly for this thing that no one values but them. Yeah, and it's like, well, I don't know. Do, <laughs> yeah. It just seems that they give, they give their control away. Mm. Mm, what do you mean? Well, the point in here is, like, it's a commodity that you should treat like any other commodity that you want to sell. Like, it's very important. Like, mm. don't separate people. Mm. By making it this holy grail that only certain folks can right. jump into. Can we talk about this last scene? Sure. It's a good place to end. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe read it. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's hard. Yeah. Maybe start, start there. Okay. A few feet away, the sea heaved and churned, brimful and restless, streaked with red and gray. The wind was stronger beyond the dunes, and a fine rain of sand blew against my skin. I went down to the water, pressing quickly forward through the barging waves. 
The beach shelved so steeply that I was quickly sucked out into the moving mass, whose density and power seemed to keep me effortlessly on the surface, so that I rose and fell along with its undulations. The men had turned to watch me. One of them got to his feet. A huge burly man with a great curling black beard and a rounded stomach and thighs like hams. Slowly he walked down toward the water's edge, his white teeth faintly glimmering through his beard in a smile, his eyes fixed on mine. I looked back at him from my suspended distance, rising and falling. He came to a halt just where the waves broke, and he stood there in his nakedness like a deity, resplendent and grinning. Then he grasped his thick penis and began to urinate into the water. The flow came out so abundantly that it made a fat, glittering jet, like a rope of gold he was casting into the sea. He looked at me with black eyes full of malevolent delight while the golden jet poured unceasingly forth from him until it seemed impossible that he could contain any more. The water bore me up, heaving, as I lay on the breast of some sighing creature, while the man emptied himself into its depths. I looked into his cruel, merry eyes, and I waited for him to stop. Well, what do you make of that? I don't know. She <clears throat> is finally alone, at least from the rest of the literary conference and her obligations, and is doing something that seems just for herself. But she has to get through this beach full of men. And only once she gets in the water do the men approach her, or this one man. And there's this sinister. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's like she hasn't done anything except exist mm -hmm. and do something. And part of me was like, what is, is this like a special news beach or is this just Europe? <laughs> but it seems like only men. So maybe, but a part of me was like, is this a gay beach? Like, is she, hmm. is that why she's the only woman? Hmm. How did you read it? If we read it as a metaphor or a symbol of the. I thought, of the whole series or as an end to the whole project. Yeah. I mean, it seems so specific that it's all men. Yeah. And so, like, as an artist, it seems like she made her way into the ocean that might be, like, fame or popularity mm. or success. Mm. And even as she's in it, mm. men who are at the beach already and – like mm -hmm. have access to the mm -hmm. beach. They're just and peeing. They're just like, fuck you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a laziness and a vitriol. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're going to be in the, the ocean. I'm going to pee into the ocean. Mm -hmm. mm, yep. Yep. Well, nice chatting with you about this book. <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for having me as a guest hey i would love if you would return how'd it go good to have a first guest it was good to have a first guest good to chat you're you got a great voice well, if i could say so thanks for having me on note to note next time there'll be a different book
Okay, bye. Cause I'm doing just fine out to out, no to know.